We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at pop culture from a Jewish perspective and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Michael K. And I am Jesse O. And today we are talking about the uh, new Apple TV Plus series Severance, uh, created in part by Ben Stiller and uh, starring Adam Scott of Parks and Rec fame. Jesse, you want to tell us a little bit more about Severance? Sure. And if you haven't seen Severance, then you had no idea why we introduced ourselves in that <laughs> way. Uh, we don't either. We don't know what we do outside of this podcast. Uh, right. our, our, our innies are really just we spend our time making podcasts. And then uh, when we uh, sign off from our computers, we don't know what happens next. Um, I like to think my Audi self is really buff. (laughs) Full spoilers ahead. Uh, Severance uh, streaming now on Apple TV is a sci-fi thriller. Um, And as Mike said, it stars Adam Scott. It also stars Zach Cherry, who's really, really funny. Uh, He stole the uh, bus scene in Shang-Chi. He was the guy who was recording the fight on on his phone, saying that he knew a little karate. Uh, Also uh, starring Britt Lower uh, and starring, uh, of course, John Turturro. Christopher Walken. Uh, The only thing missing from his role was a little bit more cowbell. And Patricia Arquette is... um, perfectly uh, creepy and odd and uncomfortable. Uh, And it talks about a sort of dystopian, uh, not so distant future where this strange company, Lumen Industries, offers a severance program in which to create work-life balance, uh, your non-work memories are separated from your work memories so that when you are at work, you can focus on work and don't have to worry about anything going on in the world around you. And similarly, when you are at home, you don't have to focus on the burdens of work. The idea and concept of work-life balance is something, Mike, that I know you and I talk a lot about that our rabbinic organizations talk a lot about as well when we work the jobs that we do and have the careers that we do, uh, where we're working at different hours, different days of the week, work-life balance is a real struggle. And so in theory, this idea of severance of, of having, a, as the show calls it, an any and an Audi is great. But what the show spoilers ahead shows is that the innies often feel like slaves. They're enslaved to Lumen Industries, to the MDR division, and um, they have no idea what's going on in the, the world around them. So much so that Helly tries to hang herself and commit suicide because she feels stuck, uh, right? The the innies never leave. The innies are only in their sort of basement office at Lumen Industries. That is the only world that they know. Uh, Dylan, played by Zach Sherry, becomes excited about waffle parties and um, uh, different toys and tchotchkes that he receives uh, by 
finding the right numbers at a right percentage. We don't even really know what they do. And they don't know what they do. They don't right. know what they do. As, uh, as Mark says, Adam Scott's character says, our work is mysterious and important. Right, they have which, no idea. MDR stands for macro data refinement. They have no idea what they are, what the macro data is that they're refining. Which I think is for us as the viewer, we're on the outside and it's meant for us to not see really the full scale life of the of the innies. Uh, the show uh, starts off early on where um, uh, Petey, who, who was uh, worked with Adam Scott's Mark S, um, he had his two separate innie and outies. Uh, reconfigured as one. And so he sought Mark out to try to warn him about what goes on at Lumen Industries. And that put everything into place. Um, And we see really at the end of the season, um, it really hits the fan when um, we find out that there was the overtime contingency and um, uh, Mr. Milchak. That Lumen can turn off uh, the 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 chip that's in their brains can turn off the severance and uh, and and uh, blend the uh, integrate the innie and outie selves um, in the outside world. Right, or really, they're not even integrated. It's just they turn on the innie self in the outside world, and they are unfamiliar with the experiences still of the the outie self. That happens to Dylan. Dylan really is thrown off because he's in a closet. Uh, he sees that he has a child. Um, and, and the show really ends on a cliffhanger with uh, Dylan uh, really doing this overtime contingency. And it helps Mark realize that Gemma, his wife that he thought was dead, caused him so much grief, which is why he went through severance. He's actually alive and is actually, big spoiler, uh, an employee of Lumen Industries that he has seen several times throughout the season uh, and she is seems to be severed as well uh, and you have um, Heli is actually the daughter of the 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 big bad uh, of the CEO of Lumen Industries and it leaves us with this cl- cliffhanger of what happens next um, what do we do they're trying to tell the world about the challenges and the problems with the severance medical procedure Mike, what are your thoughts on the show and what are your thoughts on uh, being severed? Okay. All right. Well, clearly a lot going on. Uh, I, I loved the show. I had heard great things about it and, um, and it really didn't disappoint. Um, I was uh, a little bit uh, peeved uh, that it ended on such a major cliffhanger. I thought it was going to be more self-contained, uh, but, um, but I thought, you know, it, it roundly had great performances um, I thought, you know, I had never seen Patricia Arquette in a role like that. Um, and I thought she was, you know, really um, uh, resplendent in that role. Um, and uh, I thought all the performance, Christopher Walken was perfectly Christopher Walken. Uh, John Totoro, man, showing the range. He went from being Carmine Falcone uh, to, uh, to being uh, Irving, uh, the severed employee uh, in this. And, and you know, uh, we, I love him in so many things. It's just so great. So great performances. Uh, uh, the, the actor plays Dylan. Um, it's just great. So it's just, it was, it was a, it was a joy to watch. It was, um, it was fun. You know, it's interesting. You called it a, a sci-fi thriller and it definitely had that, but I also, you know, found it to be incredibly funny at points. I, you know, I, I think that they were, it's it, 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 almost like a ben dark thriller. humor, dark humor. Um, to me, it had a lot of shades of lost um, total recall, you know, those kind of kind of mind bendy, uh, sci-fi, um, uh, 
genres that are that are not so far off from the real world that really kind of uh, uh, paint a picture of you know what if what if life was just like a little bit different? What if there was like this one kind of scientific tweak that could happen? And, and what would that and what would that be like? But as you said, it raises, you know, so many uh, powerful and, and thought provoking questions um, about who, you know, who our essential selves are about um, the, the nature of work about the power of memory and, uh, and, and, uh, um, and, 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 um, uh, oppression and, and control, uh, uh, it, it's a, you know, this is going to sound very, uh, you know, freshman year college but it's a, um, a, a, a meditation on, on late stage capitalism, uh, and, um, and, and, you know, really kind of our, our work economy. Um, you know, there's really a, a, a lot here. There's, it's, and as you mentioned, you know, it's really, uh, in, in a lot of ways, as is, um, I feel like increasingly the case at the moment, I'm seeing this everywhere. Maybe it's because of my the own lens I'm taking to it, but it seems like, you know, everything right now in pop culture is about grief and how we process grief or how we poorly pop process grief. Um, and this is definitely about that. So we're gonna get into all of that, I imagine in the course of the conversation, but first let me ask you, Jesse, what, what did you think of Severance? Loved it. I actually thought it was going to be uh funnier because Adam Scott was in it because it was directed by Ben Stiller because everything I've seen Zach Sherry do is hysterical. Uh, and he certainly played a comic relief role. Um, the, the John Totoro and Christopher Walken relationship was like funny, but I don't think it was intended to be because Christopher Walken always has that sort of like, I can't tell if he's serious or not. Is he just like a caricature of himself at this point? Um, but but I, I thought and, and also let me just say about that really quickly. I, I I found it to be, you know, incredibly beautiful and refreshing um, that it you know there was a um, a, a same sex uh, subplot, same sex love subplot that was not really at all about um, about their about their gayness, right? It was it was just a love subplot, and and it, that's rare, I think, even today in in pop culture. And I found it to be. I found their their relationship to be you know incredibly touching and and sweet um, and and just really beautiful. Agreed, agreed. It, you um, know, it, it, which is shocking considering it's John Turturro and Christopher Walken, yeah. um, who you know, uh, uh, it, it, like it should be the weirdest thing in the world, and they play it so powerfully as just the most you know natural, sweetest thing in the world. Yeah. Um... I, I love the show. I, I loved um, the questions that it forced the viewers to ask. Um, and we were asking it because society was asking it, right? You had protesters who were protesting severance saying that um, in the same way you, you have uh, protesters, uh, Mike, you, you and I were at an abortions, uh, abortion rights, abortion access rally recently, and you have protesters saying that the mother does not have the rights to make decisions about the life of the fetus, that they need to protect the fetus or something like that, right? That uh, there are protesters who are saying that the Audi doesn't have the right to make decisions about the any, uh, right? That, that, they, that the any needs rights as well, uh, enslaving that part of themselves. Um, I, I found some of those questions to be really, really powerful. Um, I agree with what you said about grief and it's really forcing us to ask ourselves, 
how we uh, process grief, especially in a time when it feels like all we've been doing for the past two and a half years is processing grief, a communal grief, not an individual grief, uh, or both personal oh, and communal. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I thought it was great, especially yeah. because we have no idea what Lumen Technologies really is, right? Lumen Industries. We don't know what they do. All we know is that it's like this, this uh, unknown company, you know, it's in some ways a, a statement about corporations and big corporations as well, and putting our trust and faith in their technology and whether or not their technology has the best, our best interests at heart. Right. Well, you know, that, that's, that's why there, there were valences of lost in this for me, because it's sort of like, you know, Lumen Industries is sort of like the Dharma initiative or, or what's uh, Charles uh, Skidmore's, uh, is that his name in Lost? Uh, the one of the big bads. Uh, what whatever his company is, is it uh, BlackRock? I don't remember. It's um, not pe- not Penny's boat. Not Penny's boat. Um, but let let's start with the grief thing. I think because you know we we talked about this a little bit with with WandaVision too, which was also you know a a pandemic era show um, about how we process grief and 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 what happens when we don't process it well. Um, and, and this show, I think is, you know, uh, really kind of picks up on that theme too, where, you know, Mark gets the severance procedure because, uh, after the death of his wife or after what he, we, we later learn is actually not the death of his wife. We don't know the backstory of all that, you know, what, what is Lumen doing there with these people's lives? Um, but he thinks his wife has died. Um, and he, uh, turns to, uh, alcohol to numb the pain. Uh, and then ultimately uh, severance so that he can, you know, basically like escape uh, his own grief, his own mind for at least eight hours a day. And then the other, you know, time of day, he's either sleeping or trying to numb the pain with, with alcohol. Um, and, you know, we see in, in the course of this um, that he, um, that, that, you know, the, the, the um, how harmful those decisions are to himself and, and even arguably those around him you know we have in our tradition and there, there's a there, there are um, moments in the series where they where they say like you know here's the direction he could have gone right he could have processed out the loss he could have talked about his his uh his his late wife he could have talked about the pain um he could have um uh, he could have taken time. You know, he, his sister says at one point he went back to teaching right away. He was a history teacher at a college. Um, he, he went back to teaching right away and it was a disaster. Right. And I think that, you know, there, there is so much wisdom from Jewish tradition on this. And, and I wish I wish even more Jews, um, uh, you know, honored this part of our tradition. There's such a uh, an, an impulse in our culture uh, to just move on you know, to, to, to just, you know, kind of like not sit in the grief to not, um, uh, to not, to not have to feel the pain. And so we, we, we numb it or we avoid it. We just try to like move on with our lives. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and unprocessed grief, um, erupts in all sorts of, uh, really harmful ways, you know, so in our tradition, we have, we have these periods of, uh, of the mourning process. We have Aninut, you know, this intense period of grief following a death. Then we have Shiva. We, we sit and we, we do nothing other than, um, uh, other than talk about our loved ones and, and be surrounded by friends and community. Don't go to work, um, uh, you know, to, to be in, to be in, in our grief. Um, then we have Shloshim. We have, you know, we, we say Kaddish for a year. Like these are, these are rituals, um, and, and, um, 
and practices that are designed um, to not have a deliberately to not have us just kind of move on or to have us avoid the pain. Um, and so here we have a, you know, an, a, I think a really clear example of what happens when we don't do that. As, as uh, Steve Rogers said in Avengers Endgame, some people move on, but not us, right? That, that um, in, in all seriousness though, um, uh, I, I remember when my father-in-law passed away and uh, my wife was sitting Shiva in our small um, New York apartment at the time. Um, uh, my father-in-law was not Jewish and uh, my wife has uh, had a half-sister who also uh, did not identify as Jewish. And, and so they would call each other and check in. And I remember one specific moment when she called her and said, how are you doing? And she said, you know, I haven't gotten out of bed all day, which is the normal, um, I, I think, emotional reaction to grief, right? You want to curl up in a ball in the fetal position. And she asked my wife, you know, how, how are you? What have you done today? She, and she's like, I'm exhausted. Uh, the last person just left. It's 1030 at night. And we've had, you know, 100 people in our apartment today. Uh, and part of it is the idea that you're not supposed to pro process grief alone. Mm -hmm. um, Mark had trouble processing the grief and was processing it alone. And so instead of having to sit with his grief, he severed himself so that he didn't have to grieve or he still was grieving, but he only had to grieve half of the day instead of all the time. But the, the question is, was it more grief because he didn't have all that time to process the grief or he didn't have uh, really his community? You could argue that more so than like Devin, right? His sister, uh, he was spending more time with Heli and Petey before that and Dylan and Irvin, right? right? That was his that was friendship his circle. That was his community. Yeah. And he couldn't lean on them to grieve. Right. They had nothing to talk about. All they had to talk about was their waffle parties and their uh, right um, and music, dance, entertainment time or, or, or whatever. Um, and so without that community to lean on those shoulders to cry on, the community to support you during grief, uh, you don't process it. And even in the Jewish community, Mike, I think you, you, you said it. We're guilty of it. After Shiva, the world moves on and we go back to work where it's actually like Shloshim. And after Shloshim, that, that's the hardest part when somebody who is in a period of grief starts to reintegrate into the world and finds that balance of how do we live in a world where our loved ones are no longer physically present. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're, you're bringing up something really important there because there's a, a connection here between, um, you know, how we process grief and, and, and the role community plays in, in how we do that. Um, and, you know, one of the, you know, great, tragedies, uh, man-made tragedies of, of our time is, um, is how isolated so many of us are from community, uh, from real community. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, so it's, it's, it's no wonder that we're, that we're sort of collectively um, experiencing, you know, so many, um, uh, uh, you know, mental health challenges and, um, and, uh, you know, all sorts of, um, uh, um, uh, neuroses and, uh, and and collective pathologies, I would say, right? That that are that are uh, born out. And we we we're recording this, you know, a day after um, uh, another horrific mass shooting um, at an elementary school in in Texas. Um, and you know, uh, uh, 
there's there's so much to to say about that and we're we're both kind of still processing out our grief about it um but you know but but certainly you know one of the um elements at play in all these mass shootings in America in addition of course to the guns um is you know how isolated people are and what that does to a person and so you see in the show you know mark is is incredibly isolated except for um, you know, in on the severed floor, Lumen, um, and um, and and you know when he is basically all alone except for his one lifeline, which is his sister, um, you know he is um, he's he's just he's he's miserable and self destructive. You know, I also think it speaks to um, in the world that we live in how important it is to um, have a career rather than a job, right? To, to find work um, that causes us to find a purpose. We've, we've seen a lot of uh, this, what they call the great resignation, right? During this period of, uh, of COVID where people have been leaving jobs that they find to be, um, that, that they are unfulfilling. Um, jobs that they don't find meaning in. Um, even though Mark has no idea what he's doing and his team has no idea what they're doing. And when he leaves, he goes home or goes up that elevator and has no idea what happened, you know, in, in the basement. Um, he seems to find community among his team, right? If you, if you look at his relationship with Devin uh, and her family, his sister, right. And, and her husband and baby versus his relationship with, with Heli and Irvine and Dylan, it, it's, it's his, any that is almost as more of a community and support system that, and he doesn't know that he's grieving than his Audi that is alone. And so it's all about, right. You, you find your community. We spend so much time at work, even those of us who work from home, right. We spend so much time at work, uh, whether it's because of, again, that struggle with work-life balance or not, if you don't find purpose in who you surround yourselves with, uh, who your support team is, you know, who, who your, your, your work partners are, then um, you don't find that meaning and fulfillment in what you're spending so much of your time doing. Right. You listen, I think, I, I think that there um, is something to be said for, um, you know, I, I think it's possible, right. To, you know, to, to work in order to live. Right. So in other words, like, that there, there is a way in which we could we could have a job that's just a job, you know, um, and and even if it's a career, right? That like that, you know, I go and I and I and I do my job. It's not like I, you know, it's not like I think that the work is bad or it's like, you know, I'm not talking about me personally necessarily. I'm talking about you know, um, uh, people don't necessarily have to have, um, you know, have to you know work at their bliss, right? But I do think that. Um, uh, feeling like an, like an integrated self, right. That, um, that, that your, that your work self is, um, is, is in some way an essential part of who you are. Um, uh, even if it's not the totality of who you are. Um, uh, and even if, uh, your primary community, um, uh, or, or your primary source of fulfillment e even is not necessarily at work. Um, I, I think that that's okay. Right. Um, but, but I think that, you know, what, um, you know, what, 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 what the show kind of suggests is, you know, if your, um, uh, if your primary community is at work, um, 
that's maybe in some ways problematic, right? That uh, that that your that your life outside um, is in some way your you know um, uh, 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 the life that you need to attend to. Um, maybe both, right? But that um, uh, but that you can't you can't just focus on one. Right. You can't. And I guess that's, you know, when you mentioned before about work life balance, I think that that's really it. Right. A lot of people you know, put a lot of focus on on who they are in their career and not a lot of focus on who they are outside of their career and maybe vice versa. There are a lot of people who put a lot of focus on who they are outside of their career, but not necessarily who they are inside of it. And I think that the show suggests that, you know, that, that both are, are, are important and, and, and inseparable parts of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think about what at the dinner table every evening we go around and talk about our days, and my wife and I, you know, talk about our our, our days at work. Right? We want to share. If that is truly a part of our lives, we want to share it with each other. And I think you're right. What's going on in Severance is that um, the outside world, right? The Audis didn't want to know about what was happening with the innies uh mostly because they didn't want to it was just they, they wanted less time to experience that grief they wanted less time to experience the pain and heartache that that they were feeling and it led to feeling more alone feeling more upset uh feeling more isolated um at the same time yeah you know let's let's talk about this element of it too jesse which you which you had mentioned before which is the role of memory in in the show, um, I know that you know. Of course, memory is you know such an, a, an important part of our tradition. How did how did you relate to how what the show was saying about uh, you know how we how we remember things and um, you know uh, what we might choose to deliberately forget? Right, the show is telling us that we can turn off memories. We can avoid memories. Um, memory is everything in Judaism. Each and every Shabbat. We observe Shabbat not because of creation, but we say in Kiddush, Zechel Yitziat Mitzrayim, right? That our observance of Shabbat is a way that we remember the exodus from Egypt, right? Uh, on Yom Kippur, on Shavuot, on Sukkot, on Pesach, uh, or, or really on Shemini Atzeret, and, and on Pesach, we, we say Yizkor, right? We remember our loved ones who we, we mourn. Uh, we remember them for a blessing so that their souls are bound up in the bond of our lives. Torah tells us simultaneously, we have this tension with Amalek, with the Amalekites who prayed on the most vulnerable of the Israelites in the desert. Uh, they attacked the, the women and children and elderly uh, from behind. It says that we should blot out their memory, meaning forget, and lo tishkach, you should not forget. Um and so we have this tension between uh, forgetting and remembering. Um, and, you know, how do you, I think, be your true and authentic self if you do not remember? I think so much of, of our generation, uh, the, the boomer generation and Gen X and millennials, right? So much of it is done directly uh, who we are is shaped in this post-Holocaust era uh, as Jews, where it's all about Zahor, right? It's all about remembering. It's all about a promise of never again. We remember history so that we make sure history doesn't repeat itself. Um, 
And I think what this show is suggesting is that if there are things that make us uncomfortable, things that pain us, then we could actually turn off those memories and forget those memories where the truth is for worse at times, but also for better at times, memory is the greatest gift God has given us. The memory allows us to bring ourselves back to a specific place in time, the specific moment uh, with a specific person. It makes us feel like for a moment we are there. You forget those memories and you forget those people and those places and those moments where we're obligated to remember. Yeah, that's so th- those are all really good points, you know, I, uh, and, and just to add to um, to the tradition's focus on memory, you know, what are one of our uh, most um, most important holidays um, is Rosh Hashanah which is uh, called kind of in, in uh, borrowing from uh, how it's referred to in the Torah as uh, Yom Zichron Truah, um, as a day of, of remembering the shofar blast. Um, it's called in rabbinic tradition, Yom Hazikaron, uh, the day of remembrance. And we have a whole section of the Rosh Hashanah liturgy that's Zichronot, is, is remembrances. And I think that that part of it is exactly right. You know, the, the um, uh, 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 economist, Nobel winning economist from, from uh, Israel, Daniel Kahneman, um, who was also kind of a social psychologist, he once, he once said that we are remembering selves, that, that actually who we are is comprised of uh, in, almost entirely of, of our memories, how we, how we uh, construct those memories into a narrative about the, about the people we are, you know, to use the words on, of, of Rickon's book, which I kind of want to talk about a little bit um, in, in the show, right? The you, you are, right? The you, you are is a product of your remembering self, right? Of, of, the, of the narrative that you construct about, about who you are in the world, who you've been in the world and, and who you are, feel called to be in the world. And that's in, entirely um, a function of, of, our, of our memories. Um, and so I think- And that it's that so is- ironic, right? That Mark- found that book so profound we saw the book you know it was almost as silly a silly hit self-help book but he as an any found the book so profound i even told him so during the uh overtime yeah. um whatever it's called um no, wh- overtime contingency overtime yeah. contingency Right during during Rickon's uh, book launch party, so you know, listen, Rickon is this kind of pretentious, self-absorbed character, um, and so we're we're on some level supposed to see him as a as a buffoon, uh, but uh, but but he's also got incredible insight, and and you know, I, I, as they were reading, there was a, an episode where where you know the Innies discover his book by accident um, because it was taken from. Audi Mark's doorstep by Lumen. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Um, uh, you know, as a as a measure of control, um, and um, and so they they the the innies find it. They're reading from it, um, and you know, th- there there are some things that are kind of pretentious gobbledygook in it, but some things that are incredibly wise and profound. At least I I thought. I think that they were supposed to read that way um, in in this book about the you you are. Um, and, um, and, and what, you know, one among the things that Rickon points out is that, you know, the you, you are, um, is, you know, is, is not a product of what other people tell you, you are, um, but of, of who you discover yourself to be, but who you discover yourself to be again, is entirely a product of, of, of your memories. And, and, and that I think is related, you know, very much in our tradition, you know, tradition, uh, invites us perpetually to remember, and it ties memory to um, experiences of, um, of oppression, right? So we remember Amalek, we are commanded not to forget 
um, Amalek um, because it was an experience with um, with with an oppressive kind of evil um, that uh, that that targeted the weak and the vulnerable. We you know the 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 core story of Jewish tradition that we are called over and over again to remember. By the way, we're called over and over again to remember it um, at a time that we uh, are. are uh, reflecting on work-life balance, right? Like six days work, but on the seventh day rest, and it's it's a remembrance of the exodus from Egypt. Why? The, the exodus begins with an act of deliberate forgetting. Well, an act of forgetting that we suspect is deliberate. You know, Pharaoh, a, a new Pharaoh arises that does not know Joseph, where tradition suggests that you know, maybe he didn't know who Joseph was, or maybe he deliberately forgot who Joseph was. He doesn't was. care to know, right. Right, and it, it always reminds me of uh, what the, the uh, Czech uh, novelist Milan Kudera says. Um, uh, uh, this may not be the exact quote, but something like um, the struggle of uh, uh, freedom against oppression is the struggle of memory against forgetting. And so we, we see in the show how, how it plays out that, um, that the forgetfulness of the innies, right? The fact that they have no connection to their outside selves and therefore no memory outside of work um, is a means of control, right? So they think, you know, at least Mark thinks that, be, that severing himself is going to give him freedom. But in reality, it actually takes his freedom away because the because the company now has total control over over at least a part of his of himself. And as we learn, they also try to exert control on the Audi selves too, um, and 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 use their control of the any self as um, as as a means of control of the Audi selves. So so that you know again, like that there's a broader kind of social argument to be making here like this is happening right now we, we there there there's a political movement in this country that is dedicated to uh to, to trying to force us to forget uncomfortable things about our past um to to force us to just move on from tragedy after tragedy after tragedy and not reflect on the causes of those tragedies and the way it connects to tragedies that came before right we're we're, we're already like immediately after what happened in texas you know there are calls to just you know to just you know, thoughts and prayers, um, and then business as usual, yeah. um, which is which is exactly what happened after Newtown too, and Columbine. You know, all of those things. Right, Buffalo just happened a, a week ago. You know, a mass shooting um, at a at a grocery store. So, so there, when, a, when you have so much grief, you you don't have enough time to sit and focus on uh, grief towards anyone experience of, of grief or, or loss, right? You, you just wait and move on to the next moment of grief. Right, right. And so, and so that, that facilitates um, tyranny um, because we have no capacity to, um, to, to, uh, to, when we don't have a, when you don't have a past, you can't have a future, right? And there are oppression, you know, is built on uh, enabling people to kind of like live in the eternal present. Um, and, uh, and, and I feel like that's, you know, that's in so many ways where we are as a culture right now, there, 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 there's just powerful, um, influential voices that, that, you know, um, want to ensure that we live in, in, in an eternal present severed from our past. Is there ever a moment, uh, Mike, a, a part of your, your life, your daily routine that you wish was severed from everything else? Yeah, listen, I, you know, I wish I was better at not taking work frustration home with me. 
Um, right. And, uh, and, you know, I've gotten better at that over, over time. Um, you know, I, I, um, uh, one of my, um, a therapist that I, that I used to see who I've, who I've since, you know, become, uh, stayed friendly with, um, he, uh, he used to say that, um, he'd have a rough day at work and then he'd get to his doorstep and kind of like, you know, his wife would, you know, open the door and, and she says, you know, um, say hi. And he'd say, oh, it's a dog eat dog world out there. Right. And that was like kind of his mental cue to kind of like leave the work frustration uh, behind uh, behind him. Um, and uh, and so, you know, on, on good days, I'm able to do that, uh, but but not always. And, and so um, but, you know, what one of the things that the show suggests is that maybe that's not such a bad thing, like maybe the fact that, you know, your work stuff still bothers you when you're at home and your home stuff still bothers you when you're at work um, is actually human and healthy and not necessarily something to run away from. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I think there's something to that, um, that you right? that goes back to work-life balance. Um, but again, if we are our, our whole true selves, I never really stop being me, right? I'm, I, I am my authentic self while I am rabbi in, and I am still a rabbi while I am at home in the backyard, you know, tossing baseball around with my kids or, or sitting on the couch, watching a movie with them or playing video games with them or whatever I'm doing. Um, and so if you sever any one part of yourself, uh, then uh, you're, you're, you're not your true authentic self. And so I appreciate, right. Not bringing the burdens of work home with you or not bringing, right. If, uh, we had a hard morning getting the kids out of school, uh, I get out of the house and, and, and into school and there were some crying and tears and roll rolling of eyes. You want to leave that uh, at home and not bring that to work. But that's a part of my life experiences as well. And I'm not sure how I could sort of sever any part of myself and make it authentically still me, uh, which, which I think happens, right? So that this, this, we see that with, with, with Heli. With, with Heli, uh, Heli is not her authentic self. Um, turns out we find out who our, her authentic self is at the end of the season, uh, but she can't figure out for the life of, of herself, like why her Audi won't free her, won't resign, uh, won't, won't let her, you know, go. Um, and I think it's when, when you sever yourself, you're never your authentic self in either your outside or inside worlds. You know, and yet, and yet I think she is in some ways her authentic self. She just doesn't realize it. She doesn't know that that's who she is, right? So like she is, you know, um, uh, headstrong and defiant and maybe a little entitled um, in, uh, in, you know, in, in her any state. Um, and that's probably who she is in her Audi state too, coming from where she comes from um, and, and, and from her background, right? Uh, you know, we, and we see that, uh, you know, with each of the characters that there are, uh, you know, um, Irving is artistic and, and sensitive um, in, uh, and, and loyal um, in his any state and in his Audi state. Mark is, um, is, is, um, is uh, kind and, uh, and, and, and wry um, and sad in his any state um, as he is in his Audi state. Someone says to him at some point, like, you know, uh, you may not know why you're sad when you walk into Lumen in the morning. 
Um, but that sadness stays with you, right? Um, you, uh, so the, the innies, you know, are still themselves. Um, they just don't really understand like what that is or why that is. Um, and so they don't have a, um, they don't have a context for it. Uh, they don't know who I, them themselves right. actually are. Right. Um, you know, I suspect Christopher Walken's character was Bert. Uh, is is Christopher Walken uh, at Lumen and outside of Lumen? You know, you can't un-Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken, you know? Um, you can take Christopher Walken out of Christopher Walken, but you can't take Christopher Walken out of Christopher Walken. I just uh, I, I just broke your brain. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, but, I, but I think you're right. I think that, um, you know, it's it's impossible for me um, to not be Mike when I'm a rabbi, um, and also to not be a rabbi when I'm Mike. Um, and it's in some ways harmful uh, to myself and maybe to others around me if I try to make too clean a break between those things. So I wonder if if it's if it's more helpful to kind of like think of ourselves as like a, a, a dial or a spectrum, right? So like, you know, like if you have a, um, if I'm if I'm like playing with the with with the audio settings on music, I could turn up like the bass or the treble, right? Um, and so you know my work self, I might like dial down some of my micness and dial up some of my rabbiness, right? But I, I still like have both of those things. Um, and at, and at home, I might dial down some of my rabbiness and dial up more of my micness uh, because um, because I you know the 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 role that I'm playing. It's not the role that I'm expected to play necessarily, but like the the job that needs to get done requires more Mike than Rabbi at home, um, and the job that needs to get done at work requires more Rabbi than Mike sometimes. Yeah, um, but which which means that you know, if anybody truly is severed, and whether that's by this controversial, not real procedure of the show or anybody who intentionally blocks off some of their self and some of their memories and tries to be somebody that they're not part of the time, then they're not their full and true authentic self. And if you're not your full and true authentic self, then, then who are you? Uh, you're, you're, you're not Mike K, uh, right? You're, you're, you're not Rabbi Knopf. You're, you're just a version of, of, of neither and both. Right, but it's important to you know recognize that you know at least on some level you're you're both right and um, and you can kind of adjust that dial um, so long as you you know don't lose um, you know as so long as you don't like totally mute either right and I think that that's the that's the problem in in the show you know the show made me also think about um, you know this this book that I read recently called Work Won't Love You Back. Um, which is which is also about you know kind of the uh, you know the what we're what we're told about finding uh, fulfilling meaningful work 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 that we love um, and um, in a way like it's not that that's inherently a bad thing to do um, but being uh, kind of single mindedly devoted to that ideal um, is. Uh, is is harmful and and is a measure of of systemic control. Um, is the the author of the book is arguing that that was a sort of you know capitalist and industrial invention um, to to uh, try to get people to invest more of themselves at work, right? Which is true. That's the world we're living in. You know, as a result, 
Um, I'm my work kind of always surrounds me, you know. I so that's that's the flip side of uh, you know in the work life balance kind of thing um, is that you know um, when I am needed most to be most Mike and least Rabbi, um, there is still a lot of like uh, uh, Rabbi needs. Um, imposed upon me that seep in. And because um, I am uh, expected to, you know, be in, you know, in, in a line of work that is, you know, a, a, a sort of all-encompassing calling, right, that I'm, that I'm supposed to be devoted to my work in some way, which I am in, in many ways, right, that, that the expectations on me are, 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 are perpetual or are never-ending, right? And so that, that is problematic. Right, that well, it goes back to it goes back to what our tradition says, right? Right. Like there should be at least some amount some of time separation that we that we that we have severance, right? Yes, um, severance of experience and taking a break, but that doesn't mean we forget that, right? The the because we remember is why we break in our practice in our ritual uh, in uh, what consumes us in time and in energy. Well, all you Pop Torah fanatics out there, uh, let us know what you thought of Severance. Um, let us know what you thought of that uh, amazing cliffhanger. Just a side note, Mike, you thought it would be a self-contained season and we're surprised by, by the cliffhanger. There's a great article in Variety that talked about how um, in this era of binge watching TV, uh, shows often don't do cliffhangers as much anymore, right? You tend to do a cliffhanger from episode to episode to try to get you to watch that next episode to, to make it so that it's perfectly socially acceptable to stay up until 3 a.m. to watch that fifth episode in a row or something like that, rather than having a cliffhanger at the end of the season and have to wait at times, you know, a year, year and a half uh, until the next season, which is why this cliffhanger was so great. Yeah, it, it was. I think that the problem with it is, you know, I'm 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 okay relatively with a with a cliffhanger, you know, in the kind of old model of viewing, um, where you know, I know that the show is gonna come back on in the fall. And like it's a it's it's a uh it's a defined period of time that I know I'm gonna have to wait before I'll I'll see the next one, right? And even like the MCU does that, especially with their like post-credit scenes. Like I know that the next one is coming out and I'll kind of like figure out what happens next then. So it's not like leaving me on the hook for an indefinite period of time. I have no idea when the next season of Severance is gonna drop. And and that is, you know, the waiting is the hardest part, I think. And the, the second thing I'm worried about uh, with it is that it becomes kind of like lost, which lost itself. You know, they they um, they had they they raised great mysteries and really intriguing stuff, um, and didn't quite know where they were going to go with it from the jump. Um, uh, I, I'm one of those people who like actually enjoyed the uh, the 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 last season and season finale of series finale of Lost. Uh, but I know that it was incredibly controversial in fandom. I mean, it was clear that they, you know, were kind of like trying to figure it out as they were going along. Right. Um, I, I don't want something like that to happen with this show too. I'm worried. Well, about well, I think that that's also the difference between um, um, prime time network television and streaming services, right? That the network television, uh, what the show is, is really based on um 
ads, right? They, they're pumping out. If you remember, right, they had 20 episodes a season or something like that uh, for, for losses first couple of seasons. Right. Some of those episodes were total fillers. It was all about uh, ad buys. Uh, the more millions of views that they had, the more ad buys that they would get. And they kept the show on for longer than it needed to be. According to the creators uh, of Severance, they ended this season specifically because they have a uh, storyline in place for second season. Right. Stranger Things all along when Stranger Things was set up. They had a, a, a five season arc, apparently, for Stranger Things. We're about to start season four. Yeah, so, of that. so they say we'll see. Well, we'll we'll see how it wraps up, but I'm fine with any cliffhanger as long as there there's an intentional ending in sight yeah. um, of where things will go. Well, let us know what, what you thought uh, of, of Severance, if you are an Innie or an Audi at heart. And until next time, I am Jesse O. I am Rabbi I'm, Jesse Olitsky. And I'm Michael K. Rabbi Michael Knopf. Take care, everyone. <laughs>